Hi folks, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the solutions partner podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we have on Brian Byler, Director of Solutions Architecture at Mole Street, who's here to talk about artificial intelligence, specifically how partners can navigate the growing proliferation of AI-powered solutions and technologies. He outlines a number of use cases that partners should consider incorporating into their work streams, the tools that enable those use cases, and how he keeps pace with the rapidly evolving AI landscape. We then move over to Mole Street's performance within the HubSpot ecosystem. And after coming in second for North American Partner of the Year, Brian shares his insights on the team's sales engine, including their digital transformation initiatives and emphasis on expanding existing client relationships. We wrap with his recommendations for how small teams can find success in HubSpot's partner program, including the resources, approaches, and go-to-market strategies that can yield great results. Artificial intelligence and sales methodologies, two of our favorite topics on Agency Unfiltered, so let's dive in. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? Doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, psyched to have you on. Um, thanks for finding the time for the pod and to talk about something that, I don't know, it feels like everybody's talking about, but at least we'll have microphones in our faces for it. Uh, artificial intelligence. Um, what's your What's your read? Is it Are, are you uh, excited? Hesitant? How would you describe the, the sentiment of artificial intelligence? Maybe generative AI or otherwise? Yeah, I think cautiously optimistic. It's definitely changed our lives for uh, for the better. Hopefully, uh, you know we'll see what what the future holds. But we're we're excited here. I'm personally excited. I know Mole Street's really excited. So, looking forward to see what coming months and, and years take. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's cautiously optimistic. I like that. Moving really fast, right? One day I feel like I'm kind of caught up and I have my, my head wrapped around it, and then the next day it's all right. It's already blown past that. You know what I mean? Um, totally. But. Brian, let me ask you this. This might be the place to start. Um, uh, actually, building off that point, generative AI especially, but artificial intelligence uh, certainly has captured the, the our collective imagination, right? It's like firmly in the cultural zeitgeist right now. Um, so from your perspective, how should solutions partners and services providers be thinking about artificial intelligence more broadly? I know it's an open question, but let's start there. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think absolutely, you know, we, we have to be thinking about it more broadly. I mean, generative AI is amazing, that much is sure. Uh, but, you know, I think it's also kind of currently a distraction from a lot of the other tools that partners could be taking advantage of to scale their businesses right now. Uh, I think they, they we could or should be looking at how to use it across the business and various service lines within the agencies or consultancies. Uh, there's this emergence of highly specialized tools where your internal teams will, will likely end up leveraging different AIs to do their respective work. So I think, you know, probably taking a moment to assess that for your organization is is worthwhile. Uh, it, things might feel cobbled for a little bit. <laughs> you know, I think until Dharmesh can come save us all with <laughs> a highly, highly crafted experience, you know, that incorporates, you know, several different, you know, AI frameworks or models into our blow at HubSpot, 
Um, you know, but until then, we're, we're probably a few years away from seeing AI as a solution, I think. Interesting. You know, uh, well, yeah, until Darmesh saves us all, fair, fair assessment. Um, now, it was interesting. I think right at the top there, you had mentioned uh, uh, generative AI is operating in some ways as a distraction. So are you saying there's, we should be, we should be seeking out use cases for artificial intelligence outside of just, you know, obviously uh, generative AI and, and the benefits there? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, generative AI tools have definitely captured our attention, right? They're, they're in the limelight right now. Everyone's talking about them and they're tremendously powerful and, you know, you definitely should take them seriously. But I think as a result of kind of them getting all the publicity and all the PR and good <laughs> press, a lot of the other tools that are emerging are, are perhaps being overlooked or, or not being considered that could add a lot of value to scaling organizations. That's interesting. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, uh, you teed me up. I got to take it. Maybe that's where I'll head. So, all right, we'll, we'll put a pin in generative AI. Uh, what are some other use cases for artificial intelligence that exist today uh, that you've incorporated into Mole Street's work streams uh, and or, you know, some of the other listeners or other solutions partners should be thinking about or, or considering for themselves? Uh, a bunch. It's, uh, it's definitely important to us. We, we talk about it a lot internally. You know, last year we, we, we started evaluating some of these things for potential use in, uh, in our firm. We, uh, you know, we looked at Hot News and Jasper quite a bit, had some success with those tools, both, both very cool. Uh, but I would say we prefer, you know, good old human generated content for the most part. Uh, but for clients who you might not have the resources uh, or budget for, you know, top tier content writers, AI generated content can be, can be quite good. Sure. Uh, Another application that we use it for here is just kind of in the initial stages of, of framing up a new idea or building foundations for, for more comprehensive tasks that might need to execute at a higher volume, like blogging or like creating social or social strategy. It has a lot of promise there, I think. Uh, another thing I really like it for is uh, expanding upon initial brainstorming sessions that are done by real humans. <laughs> So uh, it, it offers you some additional concepts to kind of to kind of run with, suggest some new ideas that maybe maybe the group didn't think about. You know, you get your creative team together, you come up with some great ideas for a catchy title for this primo piece of content that you've developed. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, but then you, you look at the AI, you import your target audience, communication goals and your brand tone. And that list of four or five ideas can, can quickly be 20 or 30 uh, in seconds. So I think that opens up new ideas and perhaps triggers some new ways of thinking about, you know, the discussion and uh, who knows, you know, might take the, the discussion in a different direction. And then I would say last but not least, don't sleep on ChatSpot. You know, that's something that we're, we're really excited about. Uh, you know, the query capabilities there are tremendously powerful, super fast. Uh, you know, I was joking with a colleague this week that it, it kind of deletes, you know, that the uh, the use case where, you know, your boss comes to you one hour before a meeting and is like, oh, I need this data from HubSpot real quick. Sure, you could go and run the reports and that, that wouldn't take mm -hmm. you long. Or you could just, you know, ask ChatSpot and, and have a, you know, result turn to you pretty instantly. So really excited to see where the product team takes that one. It's great. You know, um, and obviously, as we walk through a number of those use cases, uh, I would and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's dependent on strategic and or proper use of the tools from the team, right? And so is there anything you put into practice to help build like AI first uh, team members or like, you know, how do you develop this, this center of excellence around, I don't know, AI prompt generation or AI tool usage, right? Anything in particular there? 
Yeah, uh, fair. So I think it's important to have a corporate strategy related to AI in order hmm. to really build with it successfully. You know, you're, you're going to want to ensure that AI is supplementing your services, not replacing them, right? Sure. And it, enhancing the customer experience instead of like, you know, taking away your attention or, or diluting the quality of your work. I think that's really important perspective there. Uh, leadership teams, I think, need to determine where and when it makes sense to deploy AI tools, you know, mm -hmm. in your in your work streams. And also be aware of the implications of that. You know, you are making direct changes to how you operate. Um, systems are great. Technology is amazing. You know, we should leverage it where possible. Um, but, you know, not everywhere, right? Not everywhere. You know, that's yeah. why we hire, you know, the awesome professionals that we do and, and, and you do. Uh, you know, and also I think a lot of these tools, you know, they have costs associated with them. You know, uh, they might, and they're also going to directly impact the work that your team is doing on a daily basis. Yeah. So I think I think a balanced approach now for, for most organizations is probably a safe bet. And then, you know, as this progresses, you know, I think different uh, different agencies, different consulting firms and others will will kind of identify where to flex their AI muscles versus, you know, where to rely on their team. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. And again, I, I definitely subscribe to the sentiment there as to like, hey, you should be looking at artificial intelligence, the tools that are, you know, powered by AI to supplement and enhance your work streams or the, the client deliverables, et cetera. But it sounds like kind of the, the, the decisions around how to leverage these tools, where they fit in and maybe where they don't starts at a documented corporate strategy, you know, lean on your leadership team to have those decisions around uh, deployment. Uh, and obviously I think the last note there too, you know, costs, uh, maybe cost benefit. I mean, that's always an angle to consider too. Right. Uh, Brian, let me ask you this. Um, uh, you named you named a, a pair of tools. Uh, I think Jasper was one. Um, now uh, we actually also talked about how fast it's all moving, right? Uh, and so we're already seeing it. I bet we continue to see it. But just like this growing, expansive proliferation of tools, whether they're AI powered or at least like AI marketed, right? Like all these different AI point solutions. Like I can only imagine that catalog is going to continue to grow exponentially. Uh, how do you? In the team navigate, you know, AI tools, validate uh, what you should use, what not. Uh, and do you have any recommendations on, on how to do so for others? Yeah, I think that's important, Kevin. There's because there's so many, right? You know, a, a great resource that I'd recommend to anyone who's interested in learning more is uh, it's called there is an AI for that.com. It's uh, it's actually a self updating repository, hmm. you know, made by AI. And I was going to say it has to be right. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, it's, a, it's a really robust listing of many of the well-known AI applications that are out there for so many use cases. And you can like sort and filter for your industry, your use case. It's pretty cool just for an awareness perspective. If you're looking for like, hey, can this be, you know, is there an AI that can help me with this? Um, I almost said, can this be automated? But I, th <laughs> I think we, we, we've had automation for a long time. I yeah, think also a fair a, question to be asking, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's there's a distinction between, you know, automation and artificial intelligence. They're, they're very similar. You know, I would say that automation is not AI. AI is an automation. It's probably a fair generalization. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's important in your tools evaluations tool because there are a lot of tools right now that are marketing themselves as AI when if you dig down a layer deeper, you know, they're, they're really not, they have some cool automations, but are they, are they artificial intelligence? Is there a trained model behind it? You know, maybe not. So I think that's, you know, use some discretion in evaluating things that, you know, you are using the buzzword compared to like actual tools that are based upon a, you know, a deep learning model or something like that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Exactly. Um, and so as a, however formalized of a stamp 
we want this question to be. I'll, I'll defer to you. Uh, but are there any tools uh, that you use? Uh, uh, you've you know codified use of across the team, worked into the work stream. Any recommendations for partners to think about doing the same? Uh, you know, uh, what do you what do you recommend? Yeah, specific to the you know the HubSpot partner ecosystem, I think there are a lot of tools that that you know we are leveraging and others others could could benefit from. It helps me to kind of think about them and, and categorize these tools kind of by the service they provide. So, you know, for mm-hmm. example, like in the code category, there's probably a dozen great tools out there. I personally really like Ghostwriter by Replit. Uh, tremendously powerful tool. It's basically a code assistant that's built into to their online IDE, which is integrated development environment. Uh, it, it will, you know, it kind of assists with code completion. It will suggest new models and it kind of self-governs your builds. So you can think of that kind of like a, uh, you know, a code, code super, supercharger. Um, you know, that's, that's a cool one that our dev team is currently working with a little bit. Um, within the design world, there's so many emerging technologies. It's, it's really hard to, to keep track of them all. I think within design, we've kind of been, you know, tiptoeing around AI for a while. You know, I think Adobe's, you know, historically done some stuff like Sensei. Um, a couple that we're enjoying are ColorMind. ColorMind's a kind of a really a really a simple application, but it's a design tool that will allow you to create bespoke color palettes based upon an image or a movie scene or artwork or really anything. Um, well, yeah, some time savings there. Not everyone is, you know, is able to you know quickly uh, quickly prescribe those color Pantones. So it helps. I don't with have that. a great eye for it, to be honest. I got to do that for like my home. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to string together a color scheme. So yeah, great. There's a tool for that. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, you can certainly use it to pick colors for your home paint scheme if you're into it. <laughs> um, you know, a- a- Adobe, again, is just dominating everything these days. Uh, since their acquisition of Figma, they, they pretty much own the game right now. Mm. Um, you know, I mentioned Sensei. That's been out since, I think, 2016. Uh, they're continuing to enhance that product. Um, it's it's certainly saved a lot of time since its release. And, you know, it's going to become more powerful as they continue to iterate upon that. Mm. Uh Another one that, that I'm fascinated with is, uh, you know, by Figma. There are a couple of products they're coming out with. Ando is a pretty nifty little tool. Uh, it'll make design suggestions based upon prompts or videos or pictures. I see that being useful. What kind uh, of design suggestions? Really anything related to it. So, you know, as you, as you enter, you know, whatever your prompt may be, it, it will come up with, it'll actually display, you know, visual, um, you know, visual displays of what could potentially be a wireframe or a design palette oh, or images kind of, kind of jumpstart the, the design process, if you will. Again, you know, I think your, your graphic designers, your visual designers, you know, they're, they're the pros at this, but you know, in their hands, I think it's a powerful tool. Well, I mean, again, jumpstarts a great framing of it, right? It's like, Hey, you still need the humans to, to lean on their expertise, of course. But like, if you can make that launching off point a little more streamlined or a little more efficient, uh, jumpstart again, like, yeah, that makes a whole, whole lot of sense. For sure. Um, perhaps the most exciting tool to me is actually Firefly, also by Adobe, currently in beta. Uh, it's their initial go-to-market offering for what I would call a true AI product. I think it's going to be a game changer. So it incorporates several different types of models. Um, who knows what they're actually building, um, but it's it promises to be pretty revolutionary. So excited for Firefly. Check out the beta if, uh, if you're into it. But just this week, uh, they made an announcement uh, kind of big splash in the industry. They're going to be bringing that Firefly technology to video, and this is going to be mega disruptive. I think. Um, so, like, so what would yeah. that mean? What What does that mean uh, by bringing it into video? What is that going to allow us to do? So 
to me, this feels very much like Tony Stark. Okay, Kevin. So like, you know, the videos I saw on it, essentially, you know, you can type the prompts or guess what, with another AI, you can actually use voice prompts, mm-hmm. but you can actually speak to the video and tell it what edits you want it to make to itself. It'll make the edits in real time, which to me is pretty mind boggling. Well, yeah. All right. So it's, it's Tony Stark's Jarvis. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that, that's what I think about. Um, so that's, you know, when that is out and finalized, yeah, I never thought that that would be a thing in 2023, but you know, here, here we are. So it's, um, it's just moving so quickly. Uh, you know, a, a, a good, a good use of an hour of time is reading about the, uh, the Stanford alpaca project. So, um, to build or open AI's original model, and this is just to demonstrate the speed at which it's going, right? The original model, uh, it costs several million dollars in computing power to train it. it took a few months. Uh, Stanford was able to train a similar model uh, in about a week, and it cost six hundred dollars. So, so it's like that's the scale and, ra- and rapid pace at which the industry has already moved. True. Um, yeah, it's it's like literally light speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a final tool worth mentioning, Kevin, is just yeah. within the world of social. You know, there's a whole bunch of tools that are that are opening up in that space. Uh, Contentstudio.io is pretty cool. That's one I've been I've been kind of playing with a little bit. They've done a good job of kind of synthesizing a couple different AI tools together in what feels like a, a, a cohesive platform. So I think that's going to be pretty, pretty exciting. I, I would predict they'll probably be a leader in the space by the end of the year because hmm. um, a lot of the other social tools are doing some cool stuff. They're the first one I, that I've seen personally to kind of weave it all together. Uh, Lately is another cool tool in social, you know, that can help speed up content production and, and, and get a lot of content out quickly. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the current leaders in social do. You know, they are, they have some offerings, but it's not really making big waves in in the industry. People aren't really talking about it as much, but I I think it's yet to be determined if they'll compete with these kind of innovative startups in the social space, or perhaps if the, the market share is going to become a little bit more distributed. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly interesting. Uh, and again, uh, first off, appreciate the categorization you went through, right? But I mean, it just speaks to the volume or the 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 breadth of value, uh, the right artificial intelligence tools can bring, you know, to the team. Uh, web dev, uh, design, uh, social, uh, video potentially, right? Um, and so, uh, is there any sort of guidance? Maybe this goes back to your note on corporate strategy. Um, but what sort of guardrails or guidance do you give the team to go out, explore, identify potential tools? What does their actual tinker and testing of those tools look like? Um, and obviously you've landed on a few that you have found to be effective. Um, but what does the actual validation and vetting process look like? Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's very much organization dependent, Kevin, and it, um, it could very much be a time, time suck as well. So, you know, these are very interesting concepts. It's, uh, you know, it's quite easy with your morning coffee to just go down the AI rabbit hole and, you know, come to find out you're late for your 930 meeting. So, you know, <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know. I mean, these are meant to uh, find efficiency gains. And it's like, so not, not equal parts time suck. You're like, man, what's the what's the balance of it, right? Right, right. And, and it, yeah, it's got to be a balance. So I think, you know, alignment with your management teams and your leadership teams, you know, certainly, you know, getting buy-in from, from the executive leadership teams that, hey, this is a path we want to go. You know, and I think with, with that in place, you know, empowering your team leads, you know, your first level managers and your individual contributors to kind of uh, explore and, and do their own independent research and maybe come back to the business and say, hey, you know, we think these two tools could could benefit us in this way, you know, uh, you know, and then let's test them. A lot of these tools are in beta. I think that's important to realize, like it's to be determined if 
they are going to help today or not. Certainly, you know, they will, right, at some point. But in their current release stage, you know, maybe they're helpful. Maybe they're just a little bit kind of a nifty toy. Some are probably. Some are certainly robust tools. But I think certainly a proper tools analysis, you know, an evaluation for the organization uh, would be prudent. You know, kind of putting together your requirements for, you know, what you need out of an AI tool. Uh, probably some kind of, you know, numbering or priority ranking scheme. So you can say, hey, based upon these subjective criteria, tool A is better than tool B. We like the interface of this one. We like the features of that one. So I I would approach it, you know, just like any other software purchase, uh, you know, with a proper vendor selection tools analysis, um, you know, and also knowing that a new tool could pop up next week that does the same (laughs) thing differently or better. So, um, you know. I, I think, do like I the think, point, don't reinvent the wheel necessarily, right? If you have that vendor selection process, point solution validation process, again, yeah, you don't have to to, to uh, go too far away from that. But again, yeah, maybe it, to, your, to that last point, it's the speed that you may have to be willing to, you know, seek out other options. Uh, that feels a little more ramped up, right? That's right. You know, and certainly weighing that against your, your current uh, client and customer work, right? Uh, you know, we're we're often under under deadlines to perform, you know, at a high level for our customers and and make sure, you know, HubSpot continues to be the, the number one CRM in the space, um, you know, and any any, you know, any work you would do, you know, in this space to research or look at these tools likely, you know, could happen during the workday. So it's it's just balancing the priority, I think, against like how much value these tools could add versus <laughs> potentially taking away from, you know, other value-added work to solve for our customers. So there's got to be an ROI there, I think, for the business, for the individual, and for our customers. And I think just finding the, you know, where 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 your business, you know, fits in there, I think is probably half the battle. Yeah, that makes, I mean, uh, a ton of sense. Now, before I pull us away from AI, uh, I have some other questions in, uh, about Mole Street uh, and some other things. But before I pull us away completely from artificial intelligence, you actually brought up the client experience too. Uh, do you... Do you have clients asking about AI, uh, your use of AI uh, tools? Um, how does it manifest? Do you actually bring it to them as part of your work streams? Like where and how does artificial intelligence manifest in the comms that you have with your clients? Does that make sense? It does. You know, and I think, uh, you know, today we're in, you know, Q2 of 2023. Uh, it's just starting to come up. You know, some clients are they're generally curious, I would say, is a sentiment we're hearing. Uh, chat spots come up a few times like, hey, are you all using that? Can we use that? How do we get access to that? A lot of buzz about that, rightfully so, right? Um, you know, it, the discussions that haven't yet happened, I think will happen probably in Q3, Q4 and beyond of 2023 are like, hey, we're paying for content marketing. You know, are you going to use a robot to do this or is a real person going to do my content, right? I think those discussions are going to start to come up. You know, maybe there's some some uh, ethical concerns related to AI that you know are too big for us to get into to ke- today, Kevin. Maybe maybe next time. Maybe a sequel. Uh, sure, right. That's yeah. a whole that's a whole forty minutes in and of itself. Sure. Sure, sure. Uh, but you know we haven't started to deal those types of questions yet. You know people, I think people are curious. You know we've had some prospects and customers say, hey, you know can can an AI do this? I think that's kind of the stage at least at Mole Street where we're at now is well, you know this isn't possible with standard means. Could an AI do it? You know maybe. And, and so we're very much in an exploratory phase. I think right now we're experimenting with it here at Mole Street, uh, trying to learn, you know, test its capabilities and find out, you know, where it can solve for things that potentially we, we're, we've been unable to solve for historically. And some of them are small wins. Like, uh, you know, one that recently came up this week is, um, you know, we uh, a generative AI thing, which, uh, you know, is not, not our topic today, but 
a customer had a list of several thousand companies and they didn't have a domain names for them. You know, mm -hmm. there are a few mm -hmm. ways to get this data. Um, but one of our implementation specialists is like, let me just drop in the prompt. And it, and it pretty quickly returned all the domain names for those companies. So it was a copy paste. It took five minutes. Uh, it took longer actually for you know it to generate the, the list than it did to load in HubSpot. So, you know, little things like that are coming up where there may just be a single, you know, kind of Swiss army, you know, one-time use case, but I think they're going to continue to come up and uh, the, this conversation can be very different in about six months. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to the, the words I think you used um, earlier, but it's like, yeah, finding ways to supplement, right? Or enhance the process. Yeah. I mean, think about the time savings of that, right? Pulling the domains and then uploading into HubSpot fairly you know, in a fairly straightforward way. Um, now you had mentioned, at least not yet, clients aren't coming to the table with like, hey, can AI do this versus you and or humans? Uh, but it sounds like even if it's not a question being asked today, partners should be thinking about what the appropriate answer is to that question to like future proof, right? And to build a fence around the, val the unique value that they bring versus, you know, uh, generative AI or any other tool singularly, right? So is that, a, is that a fair reflection? You know, you should start to, think about the answer to that question now? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, you know, these are conversations we need to start having. You know, they, we, we didn't know that we needed to have them, right? I think that's kind of an interesting nuance to it, is it, right? These, these aren't problems or challenges, you know, or opportunities that we knew we needed to solve for in December, you know, of 2022, just, just a couple quarters ago. So there are new conversations. It's uncharted territory. And I think how different organizations and certainly how different HubSpot partners are going to navigate this is going to vary dramatically. And I think that's okay. You know, it's uh, different, different teams will, will leverage AI differently. Um, some will choose to not embrace it out of the gate. Others are going to probably go all in on it. You know, some, you know, some partners are currently building their own AI models using tools like, you know, open AI and stuff like that, which is super exciting. You know, if, but the application, you know, is, I think, yet to be yet to be seen. We will see it, but it's hard to predict when. So I think having those discussions now, you know, aligning with your team, discussing your strategy for, you know, when these use cases are there, being prepared is probably a big part of that discussion. If, you know, if this is a, a territory that you want to operate it in, I, I don't want anyone, any of our listeners today to, to feel like, you know, you have to jump on this right away. You should be aware of it. You should be informed. You know, you should certainly be considering these things, having the discussions. But, you know, the level at which you you adopt these technologies to your business or not, is kind of really up to, you know, your business plan, you know, and your strategy. Um, but I think we can all agree that, you know, whether we wanted it to or not, it is disrupting perhaps our business plans and uh, has thrown us a curveball for, you know, what this year and beyond uh, will look like for, for the HubSpot ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To put it lightly. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's a fair assessment to make uh, the, the, dis the uh, disruption we're already seeing, the potential disruption still to come. Uh, um, it's at least if it's a curveball, it's at least a 12, six or something with a really nasty you know, <laughs> drop on it. Um, indeed. Indeed. So uh, for any of my baseball fans. Um, so Brian, uh, hard pivot. I'm going to switch gears just for a moment here. Uh, and now if there's an AI connection, listen, indulge me. I'm all for it. Um, but I did want to poke in to the fact uh, that it looks like Mole Street came in second for North American Partner of the Year for HubSpot. Uh, tremendous uh, award to be in the running for, especially second place. And so uh, I'd be, you know, I can't not ask uh, if there's some secret sauce there. Uh, and if uh, you've put anything into practice that others should learn from, uh, uh, in, you know, how you developed 
Wall Street sales engine to perform at that level, right? So uh, anything, you know, anything you'd want to pull, you know, pull out, uh, maybe the short answer to the question, what's the secret to get there? <laughs> you know, uh, there's no secret. People keep asking me, Kevin. Uh, I've been asked that a few times now. And, and I, so I've thought a lot about it, to be honest with you. Uh, I think there's probably a few things that Mole Street does well that have helped us. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, is we, we're consistently pushing the boundaries of what's possible with HubSpot. You know, whether that's a chatbot that has 300 actions and still feels conversational or, you know, something like using the operations hub to implement a series of custom coded actions to manage a very complex subscription use case, you know, things like this, you know, we're, we have got a lot of conviction in the power and capabilities of the tool. And uh, we approach our, our, our customers' problems with like kind of a, a why not attitude. You know, we, uh, we actually often have, you know, organizations come to us after speaking with another partner that told them something couldn't be done, you know, and we could do that. <laughs> Maybe sometimes we should, but we're, we're much more likely to say, you know, let's try it. You know, let, let's see if we can figure this out together. So we love to experiment and find creative kind of, you know, innovative and out of the box ways to solve. Uh, certainly having, you know, a rock star, you know, development implementation team helps, you know, that allows us to be able to execute on some of these things. Uh, you know, that's that's probably a part of it. You know, uh, we like to say that our team is, you know, equally technical as they are creative. And I think that's a it's a pretty powerful recipe, not only to sell software, but, you know, to to execute and, and to, to, you know, have happy customers. And that's that's kind of our goal. I think, uh, you know, another area we've had a lot of success is, in, you know, in this concept of digital transformation initiatives, you know, large scale data migrations, replatforming, uh, migrating to HubSpot, you know, really making it the heart of the tech stack. That's kind of our sweet spot, you know, certainly, you know, there's product sales that, that go along with that, but that's, that's not our focus, right? Our focus is really, you know, in the problem solving of things. You know, we want to understand the, the challenges, the pain points and solve those. Uh, you know, a component of that is, you know, the necessary tech stack to, uh, to solve for that. Um, you know, but again, there's, there's no secret. I promise. Uh, if, <laughs> if I had, if I had to pin it down, Kevin, I would say that, you know, it's true that, that more than half of our revenue at Mole Street here actually comes from our existing clients. You know, we, we do good work. We, we solve these kind of, uh, you know, advanced use cases. Um, you know, our clients are, are pleased by this, you know, and I think that that opens the door for kind of continued partnership and, uh, and expanded relationships, um, you know, and as, as they, as they grow in scale, you know, we kind of follow them along that path, you know, we, uh, almost 70% client retention, you know, in the last three years, which is, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty wild to think about. Um, but I think that's probably, you know, the secret sauce, if I had to, if I had to guess it's, um, you know, build it right, you know, and, and they will come, right? Yeah, love that. Um, it's impressive. Fifty percent of uh, revenue generation come from existing customers. Uh, retention rate roughly in the seventies. Is that was that? Did I get those numbers right? Yeah, that's right. In, in the last yeah. three years, I mean, wow. certainly yeah. you know, pre-COVID was a different different environment for, for everybody. But you know, um, since then and even even through then, that's those numbers are proud of. Um, but it's like you know, working with you know maybe we're working with you, Kevin. You know, we work with you for a number of years as you you know, go from sales pro to sales enterprise, you know, as your business, you know, organically grows, you know, we're, you know, we're on your team, we're on your bench. So I think that's, you know, that's probably part of it. I love that. So it's the framing of, Hey, we're an extension of your team. Uh, but to earn, you know, that seat at the table, it starts with, uh, scoping it and building it right. 
right? And uh, pushing the boundaries of the product and the platform. Uh, even if others have told them, no, that's not doable. Well, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's, let's, uh, let's be innovative here and, and tinker and see what we can uh, build customer bespoke. So build it right. Uh, that transforms, you know, the relationship allows you to be a, a long-term partner. And again, there's revenue benefits from that. It sounds like. That's right. We're in our, we're in our NDA for this one, right? No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course not. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's the truth. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we believe here at Mall Street. And I think it's, it's working, you know, and uh, yeah. we enjoy and we enjoy it. So uh, now let me ask you this, um, Brian, you had mentioned like, Hey, uh, we like to balance really strong development integration capabilities with creativity. Uh, any recommendations for uh, building up the technical consulting prowess or implementation know-how uh, amongst uh, a team? Uh, how did you build the rock star bench that you have with folks? Oh, that might be the secret sauce. Uh, you know, good. <laughs> I knew people. I'd find it somewhere. <laughs> I knew I would find it somewhere. You've you've uh, you've got me. You've you've solved Rid the the Riddler's challenge. Um, you know, it's yeah, but that's that's also not a secret, right? You know, we there's a lot of great people in the Hustle ecosystem, a lot of super talented individuals, you know, and I think, uh, you know, working with them is just such a privilege and an opportunity. But, you know, certainly recruitment retainment is a challenge for partners at all levels, you know, um, you know, finding the right people, you know, who, um, you know, love HubSpot, you know, love your customers and, and want to build and solve exciting problems is no easy task. You know, if it were, then, you know, then then everybody, you know, would be an elite partner and we would, you know, we'd, yeah. we'd all be partying all day. Um, so I think, you know, certainly having an attractive, you know, compensation plan, benefits plan, you know, as a part of that for agency partners, you know, being able to attract, you know, these uh, these rock star team members I allude to, um, you know, having a good interview process that, that helps you to identify the right people, you know, that are not only technically capable or, or creatively apt, apt but but also are a good fit for, you know, your company's culture, the HubSpot culture, right? That they embody the values of heart. You know, that's such an important piece of the puzzle. And I think that's something that Moultrie does really well. You know, we have a truly remarkable team here of just some of the most amazing people I've ever worked with. And I think that's, you know, that's probably the secret sauce, the people behind all of this. Yeah. Um, certainly, you know, it's it's not, not, no, not easy task to, you know, recruit, identify and keep these people on your staff. But um, I mean, that's, yeah, uh, that is a challenge we all face is, you know, building the right teams to take our organizations to the next level. Uh, but I think that's, you know, you mentioned specifically the technical prowess and technical capabilities. It's such a broad field, right? And it's, I think it's difficult for many organizations to uh, decide, one, kind of take that plunge into technical work because it's very different, right? You know, our traditional model, most HubSpot partner firms, you know, we're marketing agencies, you know, that that have progressed. There are some tech, technical consulting firms that are kind of emerging now, but um, tech is a big world, right? You know, there's there's integrations, there's data migrations, there's product development, there's custom software development. You know, there's there's a lot of things you can be good at, but I, I think it's a, a daunting challenge to want to be good at all of them. You know, so I think as you're building out your technical chops, if you're not currently, you know, uh, you know, a strong technical firm, I'd say just considering picking one or two areas where you want to focus and upscale in and hiring people to have those skills, you know, I think is a good starting point, you know, get good at those types of projects, you know, and then continue to kind of hire into the curve there, um, you know, and know that, you know, the, the, the higher, the challenge of the product, you know, certainly the, the more experienced technical leaders you'll need to have there as well. So. 
Yeah, no, that's um, all, all helpful reflections. And I think that point of like, hey, when we say, you know, technical aptitude, that's a it's a broad term, right? And so it's like, well, it's jack of all trades, master of none. Like, all right, where do you really want to go deep in and develop your talent accordingly? But if anything, too, Brian, it sounds like to even create the opportunity to have a long-term development plan for your team, you first have to seek out and bring in the right folks with the right intangibles, the right makeup, right? Uh, culture ads, culture fits. Um, but at the same time, being just a, a great place to work and somewhere that they too want to invest in. Uh, and then, you know, that creates the opportunity, right? For that sort of development and maybe apply some of that secret sauce to turn them into, you know, tech consultants or, or implementation specialists, et cetera. Um, That's right. But actually, so Brian, as we, we push on time here, uh, just one last question about Mole Street, uh, uh, kind of actually through the lens of kind of technical, you know, implementation, some of the, this complex uh, uh, service offerings. Is the ability to do this as a partner contingent on uh, having a larger team, right? We've talked about a couple different roles, some complex projects that Mole Street and other partners are able to deliver. Uh, do you need to have a big team? Uh, yes or no. Uh, but, you know, do you have any recommendations for, for smaller teams within the ecosystem today and what they could do to potentially thrive, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I would say no. You know, you do not need to have a large team, but, you know, you you need a team size that's appropriate to the, uh, I think, the the number of service offerings that your organization has. You know, if you look at, you know, some, some folks' websites, there may be 20 different service offerings they have. Um, and that can be fine, but having a specialized team for each one, you know, at that scale can be challenging. So just identifying, you know, kind of, you know, which path you want to go down, right? And hiring people that, that are going to grow that path and build that business unit out for you. I think that's important. Uh, so no, you, you definitely don't need to have a large team for this. Um, but, you know, certainly identifying talent, you know, is, is a piece of that, you know, and, and hiring the, for the skill sets, you know, we, we hire for personality type and you can also hire for skill sets. Finding both is, is what we all go for, but that can be, that can be uh, challenging at times. I think, uh, you know, to your second point of your question, just some general recommendations for, for smaller partners who, who want to thrive in the HubSpot ecosystem and grow and scale and tear up. I'd say a couple just general general advice from, from my experience would be, um, you know, primarily I think something that a lot of folks don't take advantage of is, you know, their relationship with their channel account manager and their channel consultant. You know, uh, these people are in your corner. They're knowledgeable about the partner ecosystem. They work with other successful partners. They know what it takes to scale your business and they can be a tremendous asset to you, you know, if you if you want to, you know, and if you develop those relationships, um, you know, you heard me kind of allude to this earlier, but finding a niche can be really important. You know, there's a saying, maybe you've heard uh, the riches are in the niches, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, do what you know best. You kind of start there, focus on a particular segment or industry or two, uh, maybe a technical specialization or even just a hub, you know, and just get really, really good at that, be an absolute master. And then you kind of expand from there. You know, I think taking on too many things at once can be a recipe for disaster, particularly for smaller firms. Uh, you know, so know your limitations. I think that's really important as well. I mean, that's why we have a tiered partner ecosystem, right? You know, that's kind of by design. Um, another piece that, that you know, I've, I've seen before, surprisingly, is there are partners who um, don't, you know, fully use HubSpot, adopt it as part of their go-to-market strategy. You know, I would say to them, you know, why not? You know, why not drink your own Kool-Aid? I think it is the number one, the number one CRM in the world, according to G, you know, G, G2 this year. So, 
you know, really building your business around that as a CRM, you know, and, and not using the other many other CRMs or other tools throughout the world. I think that that can be helpful. You know, um, it helps you if you're in it every day, you're building it. You're also a user. And I think maybe that helps at least from an empathy perspective. Right. Maybe, um, you know, kind of related to the earlier the earlier point about, you know, the learnings, um, you know, getting those partner accreditations is super important. You know, staying on top of that, making sure your team is always always learning, you know, that they're getting the individual certifications as they become available and the uh, the team accreditations. Uh, you know, not to mention, you know, leveraging the HubSpot Academy as a learning resource, right? Like how fortunate are we? You know, there are hundreds of excellent courses available for free. Like, you know, it's to me, that's just such a tremendous resource that I'll always you know, take the shameless plug, by the way. I'll always, hey. <laughs> you know, I'll never stop. I'll never interrupt. I'm doing it right now, actually, but I'll, I'll never interrupt a uh, shameless plug for the HubSpot Academy. So I appreciate that. It, it's, it's worthy, you know, and it's necessary, um, you know learn, you know, learning is, is an important piece of it. And I think the last piece related to learning is just staying informed. You know, HubSpot is always iterating, always developing. I feel like there's a new product update and release every day. In many weeks there actually is. So just kind of staying up to date with that, you know, making sure you stay on the cutting edge of what's possible in the product, I think is super important. You know, getting in the betas early, you know, talking to any product team members that you're in conversation with um, about any use case you've come across with that maybe haven't been solved for yet. Those are all super important pieces, but just kind of staying informed with the tool because the worst, the worst thing is, you know, when a customer asks you about a feature you're not aware about, you know, and it right, happens. Right. You never want to learn it from an end client. Hopefully you're coming to the table with the know-how and the knowledge of it ahead of them, right? That's the ideal setup, right? That's right. You know, so those are just some tips and tricks I would say to, to help out smaller, smaller partners in scaling, you know, and just, uh, you know, leverage, leverage your network, you know, to, most, I think most of uh, partners I've worked with, you know, no matter their tier are always happy to talk to another partner, have a conversation, you know, break some bread. So I think, you know, talking to your network is also a great resource. Yeah, I love that. I mean, a ton of valuable stuff to pluck out of there. Agreed. Cams, channel consultants, tremendous resources. Uh, love the idea. Well, first off, you said drink your own Kool-Aid. I much prefer that. I've also heard eat your own dog food. So I appreciate the drink your own Kool-Aid. Maybe drink your own champagne. That's also there too. Um, but maybe the biggest learning for me here, Brian, is that you are, you're a niche guy. I'm a niche guy. And so, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's niching and niching. So it's like, okay, now I know. It's like GIF and JIF, right? Tomato, tomato. Anywho, uh, in incredibly valuable insights. Also love uh, the plug too for the broader ecosystem. And, and there's there's learnings and opportunities for connection there too. So uh, anyways, Brian, um, uh, I'll stop hogging the mic here as we come up on time for the final question. I'll pass it back your way. We wrap every episode. What's the strangest part of agency life? The strangest part of agency life for me would would probably be, um, you know, and this is so, such a testament to the power of, I think, of the HubSpot community, but your competitors are likely your friends, right? And it's such, you don't see that in other industry. You know, some of my closest friends are, you know, work at other other uh, other partners or other agencies, you know, even, you know, at executive level or ownership level, uh, and they're always willing to, to talk shop. And I mean, just imagine that happening in any other ecosystem. It, it doesn't happen. You know, you can't, you can't share ideas, you know, with your competitors that in other industries would be viewed as, you know, competitive advantage or, you know, sharing trade secrets. You know, we're all, we're always happy to, to talk with our peers about that. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing that to me was, uh, was very surprising. Feels a little strange, but I'm getting used to it. Yeah, certainly strange. Uh, but it's in my eyes, one of the, the, one of the cooler parts of the ecosystem at large. One day, you're submitting competing proposals for to try and win the same business. And the other day, you might be swapping trade secrets, your pals, you know, and you're collaborating on something else. So yeah, I think that's a great answer. Good call. 
Totally. And, you know, we look forward to, you know, seeing each other at inbound, you know, that's the other piece of it. (laughs) It's, you know, anytime anybody wants to come to Boston, it's always a good time. Uh, So Brian, I'm officially out of time. Uh, I'm also out of questions. So I appreciate you coming on. It's been super insightful. Obviously we spent a good amount of time talking about artificial intelligence, point solutions, navigating the proliferation of tools available, uh, all incredibly valuable uh, as was the conversation around uh, the sales engine uh, and, and the growth Mole Street has seen recommendations for smaller partners if they too want to be in the running for, uh, you know, regional partner of the year. So anywho, appreciate you coming on. It's uh, It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity, Kevin. You bet. And for everyone that's tuned in today, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered. <laughs>